everyone. Welcome to Mecca Talks, your access all areas pass to the beauty, business and lifestyle experts we call our community. I'm Kate Blythe, Chief Marketing Officer here at Mecca. And I'm Zara Wong, Head of Content. In today's episode, Mecca Talks Hair with legendary celebrity hairstylist and eponymous brand founder, Sam McKnight. Hi Kate, how are you? Hi Zara, how are you? I'm missing in the office now, we're remote. I know, I mean, can you believe it? When we did the Sam McKnight episode, that was right before lockdown and a few weeks in and we're still in lockdown. It was actually the night um, of, we went into lockdown that evening and we were sitting there in the office and we had like two hours before we had to get home, but we were just so enjoying our conversation with Sam. He was awesome. Yeah, we were really milking those last few hours out. Yeah, we absolutely were. And I think the joy of Sam McKnight is his, he has the most incredible, the most exciting history of working and styling and cutting and all the hair things in the world with some of the most legendary icons of our time. And the stories he has are just second to none. Exactly. And he's, it was such a memorable interview. But even though with all these amazing stars and stories, he's so down to earth. Yeah, he really is. And I, you know, from the times of him cutting hair and styling hair from all the 90s supermodels, Cindy Crawford, Christy Turlington, Naomi Campbell, etc. And then being the man, the one person who really transformed Princess Diana into a fashion icon. And I think that when she went to her hair evolution and he took her on that journey it was kind of amazing time and it was amazing um iconic moment to really watch her transition and for sam to talk about that with such openness and real genuine affection and um for princess diana was really touching actually to hear Mm, and it really made it like it made her identity and i think that's what i loved about the episode too and you know why we talk about the power of hair hair really gives you a sense of like you know, who you are as a person. Well, I am rubbish with her, I have to say. (laughs) And I think one of the things I've realized on these podcasts is I'm like, I'm a bit rubbish at that and a bit rubbish at that. But hair, really, I think I've... Hair's hard. Hair's really hard. Hair is hard. Like if you you could choose to get your hair professionally done, your makeup done, I'd pick hair every time. Definitely. I don't know what to do with my hair. Definitely. And now we're in lockdown and... I just hate my hair and I'm really tempted to cut my hair. So when I was um, a teenager, I really experimented. So I would like change the color of my hair every week. So I I would go red, I would go um, really dark. And then the next week I would actually do one of those weird caps that you'd pull all the strands through and do your own highlighting which is always a bit dodgy because it could go kind of peach colored or kind of silver you never quite knew which way it was going to go and this was before like the internet too so you couldn't really troubleshoot you couldn't go online and be like my hair's turned orange what do I do now Oh, no, I didn't really care for an orange. I was quite enjoying just having fun. <laughs> and um, and it's also the era of sliding doors when Gwyneth Paltrow, mm-hmm. um, she cut all her hair off. And so I did the same. And I cut my hair super short. I absolutely loved it. And I had this kind of period of time where I had short hair and loads of different colors. And then, then I decided to grow it out and grow my hair long and just keep highlighting it. And I have not 
changed my hairstyle since. Since for how long? Like how many years? I don't know. I mean, that's since I was, it's quite a long time ago, Zara. Since (laughs) I was probably at university and that's, yeah, like that's quite a while to have the same hairstyle. Yeah, it is. But what about you? Have you always had, I mean, you've got gorgeous, thick, glossy hair. I've actually never dyed my hair and I've just, I've been sometimes tempted, but Oh, I don't know, the upkeep. I'm pretty lazy as a person. So the thought of like dye and re-dye and regrowth just sort of seems to drive me a bit mad. But I've had like bobs. I've had really long hair. I've had layers. I had like, I've had a fringe. So I'll, I'm willing to try a bit more to cut it. And that's kind of where I'm at now, where I'm looking at the mirror, it's locked down, my hair's a bit wet and I start like trimming the ends. So TBC, <laughs> I might come in with a different, not come in, you might see me on a Teams or Zoom call with a different haircut. I'm excited. Yeah. What what product are you using at the moment? So we're about to launch this incredible brand called Gizu. And so I have this spray, the Gizu spray, which is like a heat protecting spray, which I spray on before I blow dry my hair in the morning. And I love it. I love the smell. I love the feeling. It feels super light. Um, I use Briogeo shampoo and conditioner and the deep conditioning treatment, which I also love. What about you, Zara? I'm using Sasha One at the moment. Hair, um, the shampoo and the conditioner, which we have on our website, and the Briogeo charcoal sculpt scrub that I was telling you about. I'm obsessed with that. I'll recommend it to everyone I know because I feel like my hair is quite flat. And so all I want, like you, is more volume and a bit more like lift to it. So I love that charcoal scrub. And for styling, I actually used the Sam McKnight Lazy Girl and Cool Girl. And that was one of the first, first things I bought when I started at America because I just loved the packaging and the smell and the product and it really works. So they are in my wish list. I need to order those for sure. I do my call and collect. Um, but I, I'm gonna. I definitely want to have hair like Kate Moss. Thank you very much. So apparently that's what happens when you spray a bit of the cool girl. <laughs> exactly. And then I love the Orbe um, texture spray as well, which we have online. For me, I'm not super done, so I don't go for a big blowout or I never curl my hair. So I know there's a real trend in Australia um, and New Zealand as well for tonged hair. And- oh, yes. It's very, it's very Australian. It's very like beachy. Yeah, beachy and glam. So the, hair you'd, the hair you'd want on holiday, that kind of look. Yeah. So whereas I feel like um, in the UK, you kind of, it, you definitely just go with the hair you've got in a way. Yeah, I'm, I I think I'm probably the same. I like really easy, low maintenance hair. You know, growing up, I kind of wanted to have hair just like Alexa Chung. And every time I, I went, and I always <laughs> say that. And then every time I go to the hairdresser and I show them Alexa Chung and they look at me and they look at her, and they're like, I just don't think that's, then you're going to get that. Um, and then I, yeah, it hasn't really quite worked out, but I like, I think I like the ethos behind it. Like it's really easy she kind of wakes up, looks a bit like cool and disheveled. So I'd love to look like that. So as much as we think we know everything there is to know about hairstyling or that we're responsible for it in the modern age, hairstyling actually goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. And I've heard you've done a little bit of research about this, Kate. I may have done. Shall we get into it? Definitely. I can't wait to hear it. Well, for thousands and thousands of years, the way we style our hair has told a story of identity and the social and political activity of the time. Before heat tools, fixatives and elastics came braids, a social art that traces back tens of thousands of centuries BC. They look different all around the world. 
in Africa, braid patterns and styles were a way to indicate a person's tribe, age and status. In Egypt, it was all about the box braids, Greece, the halo braid, Native Americans, long plaits and Europe, crown style braids. In old Russia, the style of your braids would be dictated by your marital status. As trends evolved, the Romans looked to hair colour as a class indicator, where red hair reigned supreme. Jump forward 1900 or so years, and red hair was the in thing once again in England, due to the reign of Queen Elizabeth I. In India, hair length was the marker of social status, as only the very wealthy had the time, funds and hygienic conditions to maintain long hair. Hairlines were a point of contention too, upper-class women of the Renaissance would pluck the front of their hairline to create a longer forehead. Just 200 years later, male wigs came in vogue after Charles II started wearing them to cover his thinning hair. The trend died when a tax for wig powder was introduced. The mid-1800s and early 1900s were all about innovation. Metal hot combs were invented to straighten hair, rollers and irons to curl hair, and the formulation of hairsprays, gels and waxes came to the forefront. In Japan, traditional updos held together with handcrafted combs, pins and sticks evolved into yakai maki, a modern chignon. In the States, entrepreneur, philanthropist, activist and America's first female self-made millionaire, Madam C.J. Walker, formulated and commercialized African-American hair products. Self-expression was the status quo from the 20s onwards. Women gained the right to vote and short, traditionally masculine hairstyles became all the rage. Later, of course, there was Marilyn Monroe who inspired women to embrace their sexuality with blonde curls. As social norms were challenged in the 60s and 70s, men's hair became longer and women's choppier, edgier, more natural, or more structurally defined. Perms, do you remember those? And jerry curls paid a visit in the 80s and in the 90s, well, let's ask hair legend Sam McKnight to fill us in. So here we are today on Mecca Talks with the phenomenal Sam McKnight, who is in London. Hi, Sam. Hello, guys. How are you? Thank you so much for making the time. We're really excited to do this. Yes, me too. It's always nice to speak to you guys. And I cannot wait for a trip to Australia, but who knows when that will be. Where are you at the moment? Are you at home? I'm at home in the office. I've got this. We've got a home office in London and um, that's where I am. I just I just drove up to Scotland to see my mum. Um, who's 89 and um, drove back down. So we're kind of free to do all that stuff. So, so, but my holidays can and, and, but you know, it's, it's, I must say, we can't complain here. It's okay. But you look really well, Sam. You're tanned, you look rested. You've well, been out we've been the out in the garden all summer. It's been great. <laughs> and did, when did you get into gardening, Sam? Because obviously you have been a, a massive, huge stylist, hairstylist for so many years and really the person leading in that space. And, and what people know and love you for is hair and yet you have this amazing other side which is your garden and and the way Zara and I were talking about it earlier is that the way you talk about your garden is a bit about like how you talk about your hair kind of crafting yeah and it kind of it grows and it's it's in cycles and you cut it down and it comes back and all, all that kind of stuff there's lots of similarities I think I started um I used to live near Regent's Park and um I used to go in there and read a book you know, in the evening or for a few hours, a couple of hours. 
rent a deck chair and read a book and and the the roses in there were amazing and then I started to think mm, if I had a garden I wouldn't have to sort of you know make my way over here if I had my own garden and I'd never really thought about that before because I travel all the time so there's no point in having one because you're not going to be able to look after it and then I started thinking I found this house and it well I found a big garden that happened to have a house attached to it so it kind of it snowballed from the, oh maybe I could do that and it 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 has turned into this sort of epic sort of life-changing um scenario and during the lockdown I started to look at what I was growing all the herbs and the things I like the colors the fragrances and um I started to look at plants I can grow in my garden that have benefits for hair. So we kind of, we've started to go kind of into the connection of the garden and what I do more during the lockdown. But you, you watch that, watch this space for, for, for other news on that. Wow, that sounds really exciting. Yeah, just your two passions kind of coming together. Well, I, I kept being, I kept being asked these questions like, what, do you see a similarity in, um, you know, what you do in the garden? Of course, and I hadn't even thought about it, but of course there are. Of course, there's so many the the, the growth cycles, the the the, the renewal, yeah. the, and and it's I so was getting out well. of it in the lockdown. I was getting the positive renewal thing, you know, and that kind of helps me psychologically a lot. It's slow, and you kind of really begin to see the details in every season that we have here, and and yeah, it makes you look at things quite differently and it's yeah I mean it's so creative and you're renowned world renowned for being the like hair guy hair guru um I mean I've I grew up in the UK obviously I'm a Brit but for for me and I worked in fashion magazines for a long time you were like the pinnacle of hair and you've had some amazing moments along the way could you maybe start a little bit at the beginning for us in terms of what got you into hair in the first place and what that journey kind of led you to? Because you've done covers, you've done celebrities, you've created iconic looks for some of the most iconic women in the world. And we want to hear everything. I started hairdressing in a, in a small cellar in a small town on the west coast of Scotland when I was in my teens in 1975. I was at college. I was going to be a teacher and I and I was not enjoying it at all I was not enjoying what were you going to teach uh, primary school children and then that and then there was kind of there was kind of a majoring in French but I couldn't I, I was did oh God, seven years of French and I still couldn't speak it I was learning I was learning to read and write and not you know and I just thought this is just a waste of time for me it's it's not what I want to do and my friends owned a hairdressing cell and I ended up helping them out you know, I'd be, I was a window cleaner, I was a waiter, I was uh, a DJ, I was kind of, you know, did many, many different things. And then I found my, I found something I enjoyed in a hairdressing salon because there was a glamour attached to it. There was a kind of, yeah. there was a beauty attached to it and there was, there was fashion attached to it. And, and I was so into David Bowie in my teens. I think like the whole country was once they'd seen him on top of the pops in 17. <laughs> 69 I think it was so that became I, I kind of guess I quickly realized that hair was a gateway into another world because because um, you know what it's like in UK those people are very very into their 
fashionable. It's, it's all over the world now, but back then, UK was kind of very, very, it was quite tr different tribal fashions. It was, it was really on the edge. It was amazing. It was really forward thinking. And, you know, it was um, mind blowing, as they used to say, you know, and I found that connection in the hair salon and I you know I used to just, I drove the van I swept the floors at it and then I worked on reception and then I thought well, we'll have a go at doing hair and I could do it um, then after a few years I was in London I worked in a salon in South Moulton Street called Moulton Brown which everyone probably knows as hand wash now yeah it was super trendy oh my god it was amazing but the way they did hair was amazing it, it was it was completely natural the products were natural we were taught to use our hands more than tools which was great so i kind of retrained there and then i ended up on a shoot for vogue because carrie warren the amazing australian stylist who worked at the salon and i assisted a few times carrie had to do something else so i got sort of pushed into this shoot for vogue which was the beginning of a really long relationship yeah. with the vogues for me and um so after that i and a couple of years later, I had moved to New York because New York was the kind of... Because don't forget, in the late 70s, the fashion business in Europe was so small. In fact, the whole world was very, very small and very niche. It wasn't like it is now. No one knew about it unless you were in it, really. And um, so I moved to New York, and there I was for 20 years at the beginning of the whole supermodel yeah. phenomenon. And I guess it was that a phenomenon. was time then, you know, because yeah. the girls were all sort of... No, 15, Naomi was 15 when she came on the first go see and that kind of thing. So we kind of all grow up, grew up together. And then I, oh God, there's been so many. So which, hold on, on the, on the supermodels, who are we talking about? We're talking about Cindy, we're talking about Christy Turner. We're talking about Cindy, Christy, Naomi, Naomi Linda, Claudia, Helena. Yeah. We're talking about that original era of supermodels yeah that was such a i mean now we can look back and see that was so era defining and so pinnacle but when you were in it could you tell that it was that moment not at the beginning no not at the beginning not not until i remember once going through miami airport with claudia schiffer after a, after a shoot once and heads turning and people recognizing her and i thought oh wow this is this is more than a beautiful girl walking through these these guys are attaching a name to these people and, and cindy was the same and linda so you kind of you felt there was definitely a something was happening yeah it became pop culture i suppose didn't it the it yeah. became pop culture yeah and cindy had her own tv show you know these girls became sort of the silent movie stars of, of the the era Oh, amazing and it and it was so era defining and obviously um your work with vogue in, especially in the UK, you were doing cover after cover. Who were some of the most iconic women you worked for on those covers, Sam? Well, I, I, I mean, all of the supermodels, of course. But then in the midst of all that, in 1990, um, I did a shoot uh, with Patrick Dimashle in, in London. Uh, and one of the subjects was Princess Diana, who was, you know, pretty peak of her fame too and then she asked me to kind of go on trips with her and I think so I, I I one of the most amazing things when I look back is how I managed to go from New York to London and do trips with um the princess and managed to juggle that without having a nervous breakdown I mean that kind of that kind of uh, but can, can, when you're in it 
you don't really look at it that way. You just want to, you just want to do a good job. You just want to please yeah. everyone. You just want to make sure everything's kind of, you know, you're not missing any planes or anything. And um, yeah, that, that those were heady years, those seven years, because I managed to juggle all of my Vogue stuff and Princess Diana and the traveling. So, yeah. So what I think was so amazing, and you survived, but what was so amazing about that time, Sam, and I remember it so clearly, was that you actually completely revolutionized Princess Diana's look. And I think, you know, when you think back to those Dumas Chalier pictures and you think back to that book of her and the I mean my mum had it on the shelf and I used to just pour over it. That was that was defining moment for her. That's when she became a fashion icon, not just a princess. And I think all credit to you, you really modernized her along the way as well and took her on a kind of hair journey as well, which brought her confidence out. Well, the thing is, it wasn't just a hair journey. It was a. It was for her. Looking back now, it was a a real a life journey, I guess. And that was, it was because I met her in nineteen ninety. She wanted to change. I had never met this lady before, and she was so funny and lovely. And um, said, "What would you do with my hair if I, if I, you know, gave you free reign?" I said, "I just cut it all off and start again." Because it was it was kind of the era of. Um, we were going out of the 80s frou-frou and going into this kind of power, um, smart, sharp business, um, yeah, ready for business kind of look. And um, so I think, and there, there was a lot of sh short hair going on in Vogue. Linda had short hair. Helena cut her hair shorter. It, you know, it was becoming, we were getting rid of all that sort of big, flouncy buffon of the 80s. And I thought, okay, it's, and sometimes, you know, when you, I know, I would never force a look on someone. So I knew she was ready when she asked. So I said, okay, like she said, okay, let's do it now. So at the end of the shoot, I cut all her hair off and um, and off she went. And it kind of, I think looking back that now set the tone for the next few years. I think it's funny, just recently I heard um, a friend sent me um, a piece of a documentary that, um, and she had actually said, uh, there was a recording of her saying how um, my haircut had, they said, they asked her what gave her the, I can't remember the words, um, the, the kind of strength to, to make a change. I can't, no, I can't remember the words. I should, I should, I should, um, I should look that up. And she, she said it was when Sam cut my hair and, you know, I had never heard, and you don't hear a voice much. And, and just to hear those, that those words were, it kind of just, I hadn't really thought that deeply about it. And then I thought, wow, she really felt that that haircut had, had given her a new lease of life, you know, and, and that came from her. And it just shows you the, the power of hair to, to not just to change, but to, to, to enable someone to change, you know, it's not just about the hair. It's obviously about the whole sort of, wanting to change and wanting to move on and I think after that what we did was we got together with um uh Liz Tilberis and who was the editor of Vogue and Anna Harvey who was the fashion director of Vogue and who, who worked with Diana and we introduced her to Versace and she got um she started to wear those beautiful pastel Versace suits and it was all really sharp and um sharp and clean and kind of meaning business and I thought I think that became for me the sort of the, 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 
her defining look of that era when she was just she was finding her her new strength if you like you know and and hair is all hair is all part of that it's not the only thing it's but it's definitely an enormous part of it because i think people i still think people don't experiment experiment enough with their hair i know things are changing but i still think people don't people underestimate the power of of hair it's it's still um underlooked you know what i mean i think people are scared of hair when i ask my friends if they would rather professional makeup professional hair they would say i can do my own makeup i need help my hair oh that's me i i'm rubbish at that but if if i was to go to a any old hairdresser and sort of say give me a whole new look it could go really wrong (laughs) if it was you I think I would trust the process (laughs) yeah but you say any old hairdresser don't underestimate hairdressers or local okay so there's amazing hairdressers out there and it's fine just finding the right one for you it's like you know like a dentist you know but but um you need to find someone who works with you and I just think I think people they, they 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 underestimate the power of, of changing your hair. The thing is, it's hair. You can go and wash it. It'll grow out. It's a, it's okay. You need someone to... I mean, maybe you need to go now and again for someone just to show you a few things to do with it or look online. But people get a bit scared of hair, yeah, because it's a different material. Yeah, it's kind of funny because, like you said, it grows back, but people have a sense that it's like it's going to stay like that forever. When you when you do something quite drastic, and to, and to your point about the 90s, I, I did the same. I did cut all my hair off really short and loved it for years. And then I was like, whoa, that I need to grow that out quite quickly. But um, <laughs> but I would love to have the confidence to go back and do something like that because actually I felt great. The thing about that is you say you use the word drastic. It doesn't have to be drastic. It can be something really simple. It can be just cutting a few layers on the sides. It can be just cutting a sort of very... just the idea of a fringe it can be just um razoring it a little bit it can be maybe wearing a ponytail high instead of a ponytail low or or three different ways to wear a ponytail or putting a little wave in it very very gently it can be it doesn't the change doesn't have to be drastic you know it doesn't have to be drastic to make you go oh wow and it can be changing from middle parting to a side parting you think oh wow that i look different like that you know and it 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 also can be about not wearing it the same way every day, just just switching it up a bit because yeah. people get stuck in stuck in a rut, I think, you know. And I love how you said how hair is so transformational and what you did with Princess Diana and transform her. Do you still love doing that in your job, transforming people just with hair? Yeah, I mean that's what we do, and that that's that's been my job, and that's the joy of seeing someone looking different from me is is fantastic and seeing seeing their reaction to it you know it's the people part and that what well, that's part of hair well it's 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 kind of amazing that to do something like we our cool girl spray yes i've got that in my hair at the moment great and yeah well your headphones are not helping it <laughs> i have to like do a shot of, of it afterwards but i love i love the cool girl spray i've got everyone onto it well so do we and and it, it it really is a few spritzes of that and your hair upside down and mess it up a bit. and it, it 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 messes up in a, in a kind of lived in nice way that's it's not really drastic you can make it drastic if you want but the just the um the the sort of 30 second gesture can change. I was doing a shoot with Kate Moss the other day and 
and, and she loves it. And we, you know, we're kind of, she said, oh, just do that thing that you do. I don't know how you do it. I said, it's just this, that's all it is. She, and, and, um, and it works in 30 seconds, you know. Before you mentioned Kate Moss, I was going to ask about Kate, because obviously you have paired with her so many times over the years and make an awesome duo. Was the spray, so of your beautiful brand, was the cool girl spray influenced by Kate? Because she is a cool girl. Oh yeah, very much so. It's very much so getting, getting that kind of, undone Kate sort of um, sex, a little lazy sex in this, like effortless, you know? So so that's where that came about because what we were finding was we couldn't find one that was that was light. Everything was kind of heavy and, and, and on fine hair, heavy products can, you know, you just want one too many and you're, you're, um, you're done. And with all the sprays we've got, we, made sure everything was we, we the word we used is brush outable so you can't really go along wrong they're foolproof if, if you put too much in you can always brush out i mean i've been on shoots with people we've used every single one of the products all day and then at the end of the day the actress goes oh i've got to go to i think we were with emily blunt doing vanity fair and we she'd had big backcombed hair all day and at the end of the day, she was going to a function. She said, oh, I'll just go and wash my hair. I said, no, no, you don't need to wash your hair. We brush it out. And she didn't believe that we could brush it out. <laughs> but it was out in two minutes. And, and, and that, was, that, that was the point of, of um, formulating them with very light formulations. Because I hate that crunchy feeling you sometimes get with other products, but this is yeah. your hair is soft still and touchable. Yeah, it's soft. It moves still, yeah. Tell us a bit about the other products you have Sam in your collection you've got cool girl uh, well we have a we have a stronger version of cool girl which is called easy updo which is about giving sort of silky or fine hair hair that's difficult to to um put up um a few blasts of that will give it enough bite and grip um so that you don't need to use you know a ton of ironmongery in your hair it will if you're doing a big fat braid or you're doing some kind of messy updo, it will stay. It'll give you hair enough. It won't slide out because you know that that's a big problem. And it, it's great for brides. The, the easy updo. It's fantastic for backcombing. You, you, with a hairspraying backcombing, hairsprays can be kind of wet, so the backcombing slides out. But with this, it's dry. It's strong. You can just give it a few strokes with a comb, and it stays. The hairspray is a multitasker. The hairspray is, I mean, I love the hairspray. We just, I love all of them, but the hairspray we use probably more than anything because we can do many different things with it. We use it often, we'll spray it through all of the hair before we wave it or curl it or straighten it. Or oh, before you and wave we'll it. Sometimes okay. do, yeah, we'll sometimes do it even uh, before we blow dry. Even before you um, blow dry, great, what does that do? Yeah, 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 just a few, few um, sprays. It'll help the blow dry stay in. It will defrizz it, um, and we use it as a finishing spray. We use it as a volumizer um, because we kind of were looking at all the stuff in our kits that only did one thing, and we wanted to make things that that were uh, more versatile. You know, that, that so you were kind of um, products that did more than one thing. And it's interesting that you said you could do that with a hairspray because I think. 
now when you say hair so people get scared and think it's going to yeah. be hard and crunchy and yeah. you like knock on it well that's quite an 80s yeah. vibe isn't it but this yeah your product is is for the modern woman as well we called it modern because it's the modern yeah the modern hairspray the modern woman and it's and it's for people who actually want to be able to do hair themselves yeah. and i know that when we spoke last time sam you were saying exactly that this isn't for you to go into a salon this is for you to do great hair yourself and to not be scared of that it's, it's, it's actually to make it easier for people to do themselves it's to, it's to yeah. enable them to do it themselves it really it shouldn't really be that difficult and i think one of the main things people find when they're doing using hair products I, the feedback I get from people is, oh, no, I can't use that because what I put in too much and I had to go and wash my hair. Well, these are not like that. If, if you if you feel that you've done a bit too much, you can just brush it out and it'll, it'll be fine, you know? And, and the, la- the last one is um, Lazy Girl, which is I love this product. dry shampoo. I know we love it too. It's great. It's almost invisible, you know? You have to, it, it's uh, even on dark hair, you kind of, mm. if you shake it and hold it, in the right position you won't see it you know it's also you can use it not just as a dry shampoo but you can use it as a as a texturizer or volumizer if you want that kind of those messy roots or or um just a little bit of oomph if it's feeling a bit a bit and you want to go there you go i love the names as well like Lazy girl, cool girl, because you think I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy cool. Girl. I am that girl. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm quite I'm a, lazy and uh, yeah. not actually not. I'm that a. Cool. I'm a lazy girl who wants to be a cool yeah, girl. Yeah, yeah. And exactly. you buy the cool girl so you can be like Kate Moss. I would like to. I would look, like to look like Kate Moss. To be fair, I, so I, I got lots, We got lots of the the girls on the team around the table when we were doing the names and we because we, we were looking at um lazy lady and stuff and oh no we don't want to be ladies we want to be girls you know <laughs> okay that's fine <laughs> so we we um we had a lot of we had a lot of fun with those you should have seen the ones we rejected they were hysterical <laughs> i would love what, to see that what's the fun oh, we may one. use some of them someday <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. hold on to those yeah. and and you have been um a, like a part of the mecca family for many years and i was talking to joe we love mecca we 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 just had the best time in Australia and we are dying. Well, exactly. And I just saw Joe as we were coming down to record the podcast and she was like, oh my God, ask Sam about when he came to Australia and he went to the Armadale store and he bought these wigs and it was amazing. And she was like, we have to get him back. So we are yeah. holding out oh, hope. Oh, we will be back. We will be back. We've got lots of news coming in the new year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything at the moment, but... You Fingers will be the crossed. first to know and we will be back for sure. So tell us about that trip when you did manage to get over here. How did you went and met some of the customers, I think? You were in the stores. We did, we did in, in, in Melbourne mm-hmm. and we had a press day in Sydney. And we did an amazing what what we had never really done this before. Uh, my team and I, there were three of us, was Valerie, Eamon and myself. Now, Valerie's been with us for 12 years. Eamon's been with me for 23 years. So we know each other pretty well. And um, But we had never done that in-store um, demo, talking to customers kind of thing. And we came away from that with so much knowledge and so much confidence because it had worked how we had done it. Because I can get bogged down in talking sometimes. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> Perfect for a podcast. So doing the hair, I will stop doing the hair and I'll talk. So Eamon and Valerie would look, we'll do the hair and you can talk through it. And da, 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 da. And I was really nervous about 
speaking through a mic on stage. Like, oh God, I've never done this bloody thing before. <laughs> but they couldn't get me off in the end. I was, I was sort of, I was glued there. It was like great. four hours so later, it was, like, <laughs> it was great. And the customers were wonderful. Just having the 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 dialogue and the interaction with the customers was great. So that opened up a whole new world for us because we were a little scared, yeah. you know, and um, nervous. Not scared, nervous, and. And also in a new country as well. You know, what do you do with the wigs? Well, the wigs were, um, the wigs had been part of, we did an exhibition four years ago in London at Somerset House. We did a massive hair exhibition. Yeah, I remember and that. We had done a lot of wigs for that. So we kind of brought those with us, well, a few of them, and we kind of just had them around. <laughs> wow. So there, we, there was one that I'd done for Lady Gaga, one I had done for Vogue cover. So we had those on display. And then we did an amazing day in your studio where we had, I think we had 200 of your staff there. We were doing um, staff training really. And the staff were just incredible. They were just- the, Passionate the, about it. The people, oh my God, they're amazing. It was so good. So that kind of really, we came away from that with a lot more knowledge and a lot more confidence wow. than we went yeah. in with. And I remember on that trip, I worked at Vogue in Australia that time, and you'd done a shoot for Vogue too. And I still remember. Oh my God, that was amazing. Yes, I still remember that updo with the leather jacket. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> we loved that. Do you still, do you miss the energy of being, I mean, I guess you're shooting now in London, but do you love that energy on set? And also the international travel, right? Because there's a bit of a limitation on that right now. Yes, yes. We're, I've not been trying. I mean, it hit it hit my business hard the um first lockdown i mean i'm the second one i mean and i think my my, my world was all travel it was just travel i was never at home so it was really strange but i kind of um i actually took the positive side of it and i actually got into developing new products and kind of just just and actually embraced not traveling you know and i think to be honest I'm not going to go back to traveling how much I yeah. used to travel well, yeah. anyway, because a lot of it was un unnecessary. I, I discover, and to be, to be, you know, it gave me time to sit and work out the next stage of the products we're doing, you know, yeah. because I, I kept delaying that because I was working, but, Oh no, we'll, we'll do that next week. So suddenly my focus was, was more about that than it was about shoots because there were no shoots. So it's kind of changed my life wow, yeah. a bit. But, but I mean, I mean, I know a lot of people have had a really hard time, and I know I know it's not been easy, and it, it's not been it, it's been weird for me. You know, I didn't see my my family for, my family were in Scotland. I didn't see my mum for a year. You know, and I know I know there's people far worse off than me. But what it taught me was that you really have to make the, the most yeah. of any situation. You you can't just dwell on the negative. You have to you have to make the most of it. So so. Yeah, and have good hair along the way. Yeah, there's no reason. There is no reason, not to, is there? Really, yeah. you know. I think what I, what was interesting. Lots of friends of mine were looking at hair tutorials. And, I'm sure, and, and kind of doing that kind of thing that they've never done before. So, you know, because there's so much time on their hands, and people are cutting their own hair at home now. Yeah, I I wouldn't recommend that. I have to say, I I I'd, I would say if you're really confident and feel you can do it, great. But if you're kind of of a delicate disposition and are a little bit paranoid about your hair, don't. Because it could take a year to correct a badness. It was more that um, <laughs> I, I've got 
children. And so there was some long sort of hair going on in lockdown. And so I decided I would help out my 13-year-old son and cut his hair. <laughs> and I, so I got the, the beard trimmer. And I didn't realize you actually have to put the piece over the top. Otherwise, it takes it to the skin. So I just started... <laughs> shaping him and he took all his the whole lot off I mean it was so funny so he just had this whole strip of hair just missing from the back of his head he was he found it funny but he was furious with me which is fair enough but I've every lockdown now I threaten him with that I'm gonna do his hair I'm pretty sure there were a lot of people who did the same they thought you know what taking matters into my own hands I can do girls because I can just cut it in a straight line but boys hair is quite a different thing so yeah yeah, hair tutorials trying to improve yourself when you're everything's starting to fall apart I think some things maybe just leave to the hairdresser yeah I think so especially boys you could make a very expensive mistake yeah (laughs) I have thought about cutting a fringe and I think us going to lock down I could be tempted again so I over the years you've had you know you were you were sort of huge um hairstylist in the 80s and the 90s which have quite iconic styles where what would you say were the big hair trends right now for this kind of modern world we're in oh without a doubt I mean there it's not about trends in hair Mm. it's about it's about embracing what you have or what you want or what you want to achieve it's kind of you know it's almost like there are no boundaries anymore and it's it's the last few years to me have seen this amazing opening up of not being stuck to a trend in hair because almost like when you talk about hair trends it, be, it it's almost redundant it's it's there's a lot there's a lot of choices out there yeah and anything goes now any anything goes and anything you you can make anything work and it's not about you know, in the 90s, it was long, straight, waist-length hair. Yeah, that's a choice. But now it's not just about one thing. It's about embracing what you've got. We're not saying to, um, you know, naturally big, curly hair girls, you've got to straighten that and make it straight like a, everyone else. It's a definite, a definite, um, much healthier, much more individualistic approach, mm-hmm. a much more um, embracing the you you want to be. And it's been happening in like makeup as well and fashion yeah. too, obviously. When did you first notice that this was this was a thing? Oh, it's been coming for a while. It's been coming for oh, the last decade or so, but really kind of culminated the last five or six years. You know, it's been, um, when, when we started at shows, we started, I remember we started looking at girls and the fittings and everyone at the same time, because in fashion, there's there's a kind of, there's a kind of zeitgeist that kind of happens, you know, and you're in a room and you're looking at the girl and you think, and you try different hair and makeup and suddenly somebody goes, you know what? She looked better when she came in just as herself, you know, in these clothes, because suddenly, suddenly it was. Yeah. Creating a character otherwise. Yeah. But, but suddenly if the girl was strong enough, then she, she didn't get hidden by the clothes, you know, or she didn't get hidden by hair and makeup. Suddenly it was about being braver. Mm. And I think that's been, that's been the ongoing, I mean, if you want to say trend, you call it a trend, but to me, it's not a trend. It's a, it's a whole new way of looking at it, you know, and I don't, for me, a trend comes in for six months and goes, but this is, this is, this is a sort of turning point. It's, 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 it's a, it's a change, you know, it's a, it's a massive change in attitude. 
That's interesting what you said about fashion shows as well, because I do remember when it did become that sort of, you know, every girl would come in and have slightly different hair and that would be what they had. Um, I came from the world on fashion and so I loved going to the Chanel shows in Paris. Yeah. Loved seeing your work there. What was that like? Oh, God, that was amazing. Really iconic looks. Those years with Carl um, were just, I mean, they were... They were really special. They were incredibly special. And he really encouraged us to bring out the best in ourselves. And he, he pushed us to our limits sometimes, which was really good. But in a nice, funny, I mean, he was hysterical. And he was so clever. I mean, he was a real inspiration. It's, it's you know, that's the end of an era for sure when, when, when those guys are not there, you know. But, you know, things move on and, and, and that's fine. But it, I'm incredibly lucky to have had all those years working at Carl's side and, and being a part of that Chanel Fendi um, creativity. Because, yeah. you know, there was no one more creative than Carl. It was extraordinary. Yeah. Those crazy sets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. amazing sets. And I, honestly, yeah. your your um, career is so phenomenal and exciting. And you all people want to do is just sort of hear every single anecdote because it's just all so good. Um, and I think what's so lovely, even if you think about someone like Kate Moss, who you've worked and collaborated with for years and years and years, is that she, in that over those years, has she's had so many different Kate Moss looks. And now she's kind of settled into herself, hasn't she? And she's she's gorgeous and natural and, and looks amazing. Um, what would you say are some of those women that, other than Kate and obviously Princess Diana, that have inspired you over the years? Um, well, I guess I, I met Kate Blanchett sort of 20 years ago in London and, and had the pleasure of working with Kate many, many times. And I mean, women, strong women like that, I mean, she's incredibly beautiful too, but she's such a lovely lady. And I think that to me means a lot. That's Kate's the same. Kate's a wonderful person to be around, and I think that's that's infectious. And it's it's sort of probably not the right word to use these days, is it? <laughs> um, but that's kind of you know that rubs off, and I think that shines through, and I think that gives gives these women longevity because because you kind of warm to them, and and people like 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 to be around them, and and the, I mean they're they're icons, all of them, but they do, they don't they don't they don't know it. Well, they don't behave, they don't live it, you know, they're, not, they're icons to somebody else, but not to themselves, which is really endearing, you know. And, um, and recently I've been working a lot with, with um, two lovely women, um, Jodie Comer, um, who's absolutely brilliant. She's going she's gonna to be a huge success, Jodie. She's, she hasn't done, she's done a few things, but I mean, she's amazing in all of them. But she's just a joy to be with and she loves doing a bit of, doing a bit of, um, something interesting with her hair and I'm like Kate does like the other Kate does Kate and the other Kate that's kind of well that's all the Kate <laughs> all, all the Kate and the lovely Priyanka Chopra who is divine and I've never seen anyone with so much positive energy it's extraordinary and I think for me I've been really lucky in connecting with lots of people who have positive energy because yeah. if that's not there I find that difficult I yeah. find that I'm I find same. that a little bit difficult you know yeah. and I think I think because I try to bring positive positive energy and for me I'm a glass half full kind of person I I like to look at the joy I like to see the joy I like to feel the joy 
and I like people around me who are like that too. I, I kind of... I think I, we're going to be uh, best friends, Sam, because that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> you, do you know what I mean, though? And it's, especially these days. I mean, come on, you know. Definitely. Uh, you have to look at um, the silver lining. Life, life's too short. And look, look, at, look at what the world has been through. Come on, we need to... We need to um, Find that joy and beauty in everything, little things around us. And these these, these actresses and models that I work with, um, you know, they they're, um, they bring me a lot of joy to, to be with them and to create things and create looks with them. And I yeah. think that's really important. It's a collaboration. It's a two-way street. It's not just, yeah. a, it's not just me going on a ship going, okay, your hair's going to be like this today. Yeah. It's a whole it's dialogue. A collaboration How as well. How are you feeling? What are we yeah. wearing? Are you outside, inside? Is that, if your hair's too tight, is that going to make you really angry? Do you know what I mean? Do you really, get yes. off in two hours? <laughs> you know, is it, does it need to stay all day or is it something that, that um, you know, you need to change it into something else? You know, those kind of things. And so it becomes a conversation and, and I love that. I love the dialogue. That's what I've missed in the lockdown. I've yeah. missed people. I've people, missed yeah. Connection, around. yeah. Yeah. Having said that, I'm not really ready to be around thousands of people anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you it's want weird, a sort of hybrid. My God, go, going to galleries now is just amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Are you, have you guys been? Are you guys galleries open? Uh, they, well, they, they were. were. They won't be tomorrow. Yeah. Well, just, but, but just having those spaces where there's not that many people, it's just been, I've been going to see lots of gardens, you know, around England, and you have to book, and mm-hmm. they don't let that many people, and so you're not tripping over people. It's just wonderful, you know. And it's that joy of the everyday that I think people really value, don't they, as well, which is what you're talking about with your gardening and all of those things that give you pleasure. Um, And also, can I just say, no one can see your shirt today, but your shirt is pretty, pretty awesome, Sam. So you're bringing joy to us with your ensemble. Everyday joy. (laughs) I do like a nice, crazy Comme des Garçons shirt. That's kind of, I've been a big fan since the 80s. I have a nice collection and yeah I'm, I'm it's I'm bringing partial. me joy I, right I was now i'm kind of worried that it's going to go sort of make the screen go uh, <laughs> strobe it or something. but thank you thanks <laughs> love it and um now you have to leave us to go and do a documentary on princess diana so we will allow you to leave to do that because i think that's going to be pretty awesome um so we want to just say a huge thank you to you for your time and it has been lovely to hear everything that you've got to say about your brand and the one thing I would say is that at Mecca, we are your biggest fans. So please, the moment you can, come and see us. Bring your wigs. Oh, we will, absolutely, without a doubt. Bring without your doubt. shirts, bring yeah. your wigs, and bring that gorgeous <laughs> smile, and we will welcome you in. <laughs> and everyone will want a piece of you, I promise. Thank you. I, I long for that day. Yeah, great. Thank Thanks. you so much, Sam. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Mecca Talks. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your favourite podcast app and you'll be notified as soon as our next episode becomes available. Don't forget to rate, review and share this episode with your friends. To stay up to date on what's going on in the Mechaverse, find us on Instagram at at Beauty or join the conversation in our Mecca Chit Chat Facebook group. You've been listening to Mecca Talks. Thank you for joining us. And I'm on the roll.